Today on CityCast Denver, we're smashing headfirst into the controversy Denverites couldn't stop talking about this week. Tipping fatigue. What's the right thing to do when the bill arrives? I don't know. Does anyone know? A new report finds that more Americans are experiencing tipping fatigue, simply tipping less at restaurants. Denver 7's Megan Lopez takes a look at the possible causes and the other concern local restaurants have. Like most restaurants, Rioja had to rethink its strategy during COVID, relying on takeout and delivery to stay open. And owner Jennifer Jasinski says customers... They were very thankful and they were tipping, I think, more than typically at that time. But a new report from the digital restaurant payment platform Toast says tipping is now down. We've got to figure this thing out because Denver's minimum wage is going up in January and this tipping thing is only going to get more fraught. Plus, we've got the first official CityCast Denver pick for your weekend. Lots of good options, though. You'll hear about them in a minute. Today is Friday, September 9th, 2022. I'm Paul Caroli, and this is CityCast Denver. Welcome back to CityCast Denver, the show about the city where you can get a peach so good, it'll make you reconsider 9-11. Paul! <laughs> uh, care to elaborate? Does that make sense? Does that, do no. either of you... No, no, that feels like a weird, spicy take. It's like, um, my friend Andy did this story for Denver a couple years ago about the peach growers that have like, reconsider the 9-11 report printed on the boxes. Oh, it's kind of like whatever the Bible verses on the mm-hmm. bottom of forever 21, mm-hmm. even though they're like not Christian values I in any capacity. I don't understand. What's the box it's like trying a, to get me to do? Uh, it's trying to get you to go to a website that is like, we should reinvestigate nine 11 to see if it was an inside uh, job. They're nine 11 inside job conspiracy yeah. theorists within the peach community here in Colorado. Yeah. So, so check the is, bottom of your boxes, people. This is not a joke, I guess, as much as a PSA. Oh, <sighs> It's kind of weird. It always leaves me feeling weird when a company or a restaurant or something has like a weird political thing Mm -hmm. that they're into. Even if they're like lefty like me, I'm still like, I don't want to think about that when I'm just getting a burger from you Mm -hmm. or a peach. Um, So this was an Andy Kinney story? Yeah, from Den right a few years ago. Okay, we need to link it because I want to read it and I feel like other people will too because you just came hot out the gate. I'm sure they will. I'm sure they will. It's a very interesting story. Well, anyway, whatever you think about it, we're going to put a link to that story in the show notes. Peyton, our newsletter editor is here. You heard her voice. Uh, Peyton, how many peaches have you had this year? Oh my gosh, so many. I've probably had like, I don't know, two to three dozen peaches. (laughs) I'm so jealous of you. Well done. And you're like amazing husband who yeah i mean you're a foodie and he makes you amazing oh i know it's It's like a dream it's the reason we got married i mean i've met willie too he's like charming and (laughs) handsome so i would put that in there too but i agree that's probably a huge part of it i like someone who cooks he likes someone who eats it was a match made in heaven (sighs) jealous what was your favorite peach thing that willie made this season definitely his peach crostini i shared it in the newsletter and i could share that but Oh, it was so good. It was like on these little French baguettes and he grilled the peaches and then topped it with like a whipped honey feta <sighs> cheese. Incredible. It was, it was amazing. amazing. Nice work, Willie. Uh, Brie, our host, is also here. Brie, what's your uh, Palisade peach count this year? Peaches None, from Paul. Palisade. None? None. 
I bought some peaches the other day from Whole Foods and uh-huh. they were not Palisade and they were gross. Mm-hmm. I made a peach crumble last night um, for my husband, Greg and I, and he was oh, watching, kind of watching over my shoulder and I could tell that he was like, wow, that's a lot of butter and sugar. And I was like, this is how dessert is made, honey. But no matter how much brown sugar and butter I put in there, the peaches just weren't that good. It so, couldn't hide the non palisade no. of the peaches. They're no. different. They're very good. Oh, yeah. They are. They They're really delicious. Are. I also currently have a Rocky Ford honeydew melon rotting in my kitchen. So if you don't cut those things Shame. up right away, yeah, for sure. it's a sad Shame. story. For sure. Well, shall we get to our uh, to our topic here this week? We got something interesting. I mean, people have been talking about this online all week, I think is where mostly I was seeing it. There's just something happening with tipping. Like something's changing with tipping at restaurants, with like dining out, taking out, all of it. No one's really satisfied with the situation. And there was just a few stories that local TV station had a really interesting one. And then... Um, but I don't know. Let's just start with us. Like, Peyton, you said you were thinking about this the whole drive down from Erie. What's at the top of your mind? It's such a complicated topic, and there's so many different avenues to take it down. I, I mean, I think I'll first preface it with I was a waitress all through college, and um, so I know... I think when you've when you've been mm-hmm. in the industry, you think of tipping differently. Mm-hmm. You kind of have a fuller perspective on everything that goes into Absolutely. a dining experience, and um, it just makes you way more cognitive of everything happening in the restaurant that contributes to the experience that you're having. Um, so tipping to me has always been really important because that's how I survived college. Uh, you would have to have. I mean, you would have to be spitting in my face in order to warrant like a zero tip from me i mean like as a customer yeah, you're yeah, saying yeah, yeah, yeah. you a waitress, don't not tip yeah or a, yeah i don't not tip for quote-unquote bad service i mean because so much goes into it maybe the kitchen's backed up and that's why your food took so long maybe the bar's backed up and that's why your drink was late maybe <laughs> the you sound like me at the table where we're like well it looks like the server's really busy so yeah like I you're mean, just like you're not you're not engaging in your yeah. dining experience. You're engaging in the restaurant. You just know. Business. I mean, I've been there. I've had a bad night. I've had a night where I've been oversat because a, a, a call, a, you know, um, a coworker didn't show up, or the mm-hmm. kitchen I feel is personally sabotaging my section. You know, there's just so much that <laughs> or goes the host into is just it. overloading you with the worst <laughs> yeah. customers of all time. So as it's if they like, know how these people are going to tip. Right. So I mean, it's just like. I don't, I try to think of that if I have a subpar dining experience, like Mm -hmm. my server shouldn't get paid less, shouldn't go home with less money because of all of these different factors that go into it. You know, like I watched this funny video about tipping and he was like, you don't go to a store and they tell you, hey, these jeans are $40 and then you can tip the stock boy if you want. Up to you if the stock boy eats tonight. Like, <laughs> it's just not how that works. So I don't know. It's a it's a really, really complicated thing, I think. And then I, I do see the downsides of tipping, too. And more specifically, I'm, t- I'm thinking of, like, the really weird power dynamics it creates yes. across the restaurant. Like... If if I the feel psychological like, warfare yeah. that can sometimes go on between, between a server and a and customer host or a server yeah. in the kitchen, like if I if I would go and I'd see the bartender joshing around with some friends, I'd oh be like, God, dude, get me started. my tips are riding on that drink that you're not making. Oh like, my God. it just kind of creates this power struggle. It's very weird. I'm having a flashback right now. As many listeners know, I was a chili head 
for several years. I worked at Chili's. And Peyton, you're <laughs> describing this bartender that if you worked with me at Chili's in the early 2000s, you know his name starts with a B. He would stand there and screw around and talk to his customers because he's working the bar making his money. Mm-hmm. He also has the well he's supposed to be working, which mm-hmm. is making your drinks. Mm-hmm. So you walk over to the well and you just watch the risk, like the the printout coming of all the drinks that people need, and they're just curling up, and mm-hmm. B word is standing over there dicking around with his his customers because he doesn't care. Yeah, he wants and, to yeah. make money. Yeah, and you'd be, I know, you'd come on for a shift and be like, oh, he's the bartender tonight. Great. It's kind of well, like, there go all my tips. Yeah, it's kind of like a weird manipulative dynamic too, because like you and you know, if you've never been a server, you might not know this, but like you tip out. The host, and then you, tip you tip out, the, out bar. the bartender, you tip out the dishwashers. And so it's like, if you treat the host extra nice and tip them extra, like they'll give you the good tables or, you know, the bar, the bar guy, if you don't tip him out normally, you know, maybe he doesn't rush on your drinks. So it's like, it's just such a, it creates such a weird dynamic across the whole staff. Can I say as, as someone who's never had this experience, well, a couple of things, but one, it sounds like a mafia organization. 100%. The way there's all this like power plays mm-hmm. happening between who gets what and oh, Paul. who's the inner circle and who's the who's the head of the Oh, you want to be friends. Popular. You want to be friends with the host cuz they they would like bring in these little high school kids and I was a host for a while too, so I get that. And I remember like the servers like try and win you over, they try and be buddy buddy, they bring you a coffee because they know that like you have the power, <laughs> you know? Well, I'm also thinking about I I think I shared this on Twitter the other day. I had this crazy revelation. I got fired from Chili's for being late, which was like kind of BS. But then I thought my manager was sleeping with a bunch of servers and he didn't get fired. Oh, yeah. Like if you want to talk about mafioso stuff, you are correct, Paul. The power dynamics beyond the host is like Mm -hmm. who makes the schedule? Oh, totally. How the fry cook feels about you. Yeah. I mean, it goes far beyond tipping. Like, yeah, that's like a whole nother podcast episode. (laughs) Just talking (laughs) about the dynamics in the industry. Gosh, I have like, oh my. There's like so much to talk about here. I I have to say one thing before I forget. For other people like me out there who have never worked in the service industry and can't really relate to this. I think that the closest I got was Barbara Ehrenreich's Nickel and Dimed. Oh, yeah. She wrote a beautiful piece of journalism about her experience working as a waitress, making a minimum wage, and li- just living like that for I don't remember how long. I read it a long time and ago. And she went sort of not undercover, but she was a journalist who mm. was like, how do I get to the root of yeah. this story that's being not being told, but so many folks are living every day. So she became that. She lived wow, there. that's she cool. Lived there. Yeah, this, she just passed away last week. That's what I wanted to say. Just she passed away, and if anyone hasn't read her book, they should. I haven't. Especially I haven't either. It's an incre- It changed my like. It was one of a few things that really changed my outlook on the world. I think that's cool. Um, let's talk about the pandemic hmm. because you all are talking about vibes in a business and relationships changing and values changing and the pandemic threw all that up in the air and now we've got all these problems with tipping. What's the connection? It changed everything, like you're saying. I think what's interesting about what Peyton was just describing was that restaurants, like we peel back the initial layer 
and you see all the inner workings. Mm -hmm. So even if you're like you, Paul, and you've never worked in a restaurant, you can start to pick up on these things. But also, you're pay, you're paying, you're deciding who to pay and how to pay them as a customer. Oh, we yeah. don't do that in a ton of other industries. We do it in a lot of service-oriented industries, but like. Other things, we never see that backside of mm -hmm. how things work. We order something or whatever, and it comes to us. So thinking about like if you order something from Amazon, you're not deciding what the Amazon driver gets paid. You're not deciding what the person that packed your box's experience is. But it's different with restaurants. And I think the pandemic yet again changed it where we were really questioning what was of value, mm -hmm. right? Is But my struggle is before the pandemic, as these entities like Grubhub and Uber Eats and Postmates came into, um, like it came commonplace. City. Yeah. Let's create the society, you know? Well, I think about my, um, a friend of mine was a server and an expo. We've talked about this people that put mm -hmm. together to go orders a lot. And also they put together the orders for the whole restaurant. But at any rate, when you, en when Grubhub enters the situation, that person suddenly is not getting tipped mm -hmm. and they're doing all the work. So it's like we were getting farther and far with the pandemic. We get farther and farther away from the people that are actually doing the work for us. So then we think that they're not worth as much. I think a little bit had to do with not seeing what was going on, just ordering to go. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that might have led to this like tipping apathy or whatever it was called in these recent articles about it. Tipping like, fatigue. Tipping fatigue. Yeah. Like people are like not seeing, which is like, should we have to see people work to tip them? Well, no. <laughs> no, but I I saw, have you all seen this video from TikTok? I'm not normally on there, but I saw a video. My friend Mallory was telling me about this last night. There was this video that went viral on TikTok that shows Grubhub orders piling up at a takeout restaurant, just piling up. And there's Grubhub drivers there. They're just not taking those orders because no one has added a sufficient tip to make mm -hmm. it worth their mm -hmm. time. So the orders are just sitting there and the what? drivers are there. And they're not getting it. The drivers aren't picking up the orders and taking them because they're, they're waiting for orders that have bigger tips to make it worth the time it's, it takes to drive out. Yeah, and back. isn't that interesting? I've I've only discovered this now that I live somewhere that's like so I live way out in Erie, and so like we're really far from anywhere that's going to deliver. And so I've learned now when I've the few times I've tried to have something delivered, if I'm not tipping like eight to ten dollars, nobody takes my order. And I just oh. don't get it because no one's going to drive that distance unless I'm giving a really good tip. Wow. It's very strange. And then you'll just, you'll just never get it. And eventually they'll be like, sorry, Whoa. <laughs> you just don't get this order. Yeah. It's so weird. That I, must be what this is. Mm -hmm. They're just piling up. Mm -hmm. Where's the response? I think we have this, the joke we have too is like, you know, we order, we order uh, food every time we get together every week to do this show. And we always joke, are we going to get our drinks? Right. Like, <laughs> $3 can of Coke, am I yeah. going to get it? So I, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't want to fault these drivers, but I also like, it's complicated. The, these third party things have come in and cut into restaurants margins already. Mm -hmm. So I just see a lot of unhappiness in folks and I understand it. It's gotten more convoluted and you're maybe making less money, but I also don't want to pay $15 in a tip when I get half my food. For me, it's, it's, I'm confused as to where my money's going. So, and I think that's a big thing now with, it's huge. with the, with, like you said, the further and further away we get, the more middlemen that we put into this chain, 
I'm just confused. I'm like, who's who's getting this money and who needs this money? Who's not making a living wage? Who's making minimum? Like, and and that's just when I'm like, I'm confused. Like, who's doing the work? Is the person who's putting together my order getting my tip? Is the driver getting my? I'm just, I don't know where my money's going, and it complicates how I feel about tipping on things like that. Yeah, because that's the question here that we're all having. And I'm, so I pulled up one of our our orders, uh, like that we had you know, one of our staff orders and it's like $77 for four people. That seems pretty reasonable. Uh, I don't know. It's fast casual, right? We're ordering from a fast casual restaurant. There's a $9 service fee. There's a $5 tax. There's a 27 cent retail delivery fee. There's a 49 cent delivery fee. There's a $1277 tip. That's all on Who top knows? of right, and then then I'm like, that that's what that I'm go? saying. Where, yeah, I don't know. It's now become so complicated. Like, I don't. Who's getting what? Right. And that's when I'm, you know, I mean, I'm happy to tip more Same. if I knew who was getting the money. Like, I just don't know where it's going. I was at um, Gladys last night, the new uh, vegan, they call they call it plant forward place in the Edgewater Public Market. Oh, yeah. It was pretty good. The Reuben was like celery root, and I liked it quite a bit. Um but uh, their tipping was so weird. And I was thinking about this, obviously, because I knew we were going to talk about it. So I, I was an iPad, right? Which I want to talk to you about as mm-hmm. well. That seems like a new interesting thing. But there was an iPad. It was like, here are your options for tipping. 5%, 10%, or 15%. That's it. That's the only option. See, I hate it when that happens because I want to tip more. Did they not give you a custom button? That's what, well, I was like, what do I do, dude? I don't, this doesn't, I would like to tip my regular always 20%. Yeah. Um, and he said, no, 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 look down. And in tiny, small print, <laughs> taped to the wooden counter in front of the iPad was a paragraph describing why they have imposed a 10% service fee. And uh. I just, it was, I was all jargon and I completely didn't understand it at all. So I, and he was like, yeah, it gets split around people. It was like, I don't, what, but it just what adds is this? Confusion. Why are we doing this? Yeah, it adds think confusion. about how people act when you're in line. It's mm-hmm. like anywhere I'm in line now, people cannot wait for you to get out of their way. Do you have time to stand and read a paragraph about a service fee when like, just let me tip. Yeah. But also some people aren't tipping 20%, Paul. Like that's true. I tip 20 to 40%. If it's happy hour, if I'm getting a deal, I tend to tip more. Um, But I hate when I don't have the option to tip or tip enough. I hate it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Let's, we got, we've laid out the problems. We've talked about the problems. We're gonna take a little break and come back and talk about solutions. Because we're gonna come to that. Do we have a firm list of actionable solutions? (laughs) I don't know what those are. This episode is brought to you by the Colorado Wine Board. Because the wine community here is like surprisingly robust. I mean, think about Bigsby's Folly and Infinite Monkey Theorem here in Denver alone. And there are urban wineries all across the Front Range. Then there's the Western Slope, Peonia, I mean, Palisade, hello, Palisade Wine, are you kidding me? It didn't used to really be a thing, but from what I hear, it's very much a thing now. There are more than 165 wineries across Colorado to explore, and they produce all sorts of wine that reflect our unique culture and climate. So finding a label that you're going to love is easy, no matter where your adventure takes you. Discover it for yourself and support local winemakers at coloradowine.com. That's coloradowine.com. 
Okay, I think we've taken plenty of time. <laughs> now we're talking yeah, about solutions. We even talk I assume about you two it? have thought of a good can, list here. Uh, Liz, who wants to start with a solution to the tipping problem? I will start with what I think the industry thinks is a solution right now, which is the service fee. Okay. Um, which is this fee that people, that, that restaurants are adding. So it's like this 20%, sometimes, like you said, Paul, 10% that they automatically add um, that gets distributed among the staff. I think in theory, <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. Um, but it just ultimately adds more confusion, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Frank Bonanno does this at all of his restaurants too. And Jackie, um, Jacqueline Bonanno, his wife and business partner, she actually wrote a whole blog post on w what their fee is, why they choose to do it, how they came to that decision. They call it the um, happy people fee, I think. Uh, and it's a 22% fee on all of their stuff. Mm -hmm. And their whole thing is they want to eliminate pay inequities. They want to eliminate the like, I mean, because tip the, the tipping system that we have kind of breeds, like we said, these weird power dynamics among the staff, these weird yeah. power dynamics among between the customer and the server. And it, you know, it can breed racism and misogyny and, um, just all sorts of inequities. So their idea is to eliminate that and eliminate the pressure and like awkwardness and confusion that comes with tipping. So like I think in theory, all of that really makes sense. But it's I don't know. It's still kind of confusing to me. Like, do you tip on top? It needs of to that? be universal. Like it needs to be like a state or city decided upon thing, so that customers know every single place I go into fast casual or regular restaurant mm -hmm. has a 20% service fee. But see, then why don't we just do the whole, why don't we just eliminate that altogether and just like raise food prices? So you're just paying a flat fee well, like you do a, in other industries. That's a whole other issue pay because people don't know the value of our food. Like we're right. not yeah. paying the real value of food. If we paid that's the real sure. value of food, if we talk, I mean, we're going back to the labor practices of folks that are doing agricultural work for us, mm. they're not getting paid yeah. livable wages in substandard conditions in most cases. So if we were actually paying what it costs for the labor of the food and the delivery of the food and the econ the uh, environmental impacts of tra food traveling here and then the preparation and all of the... Um, you know, the skill that goes into cooking that food. And you know what I mean? I think about that unskilled labor conversation where people mm -hmm. are like course, the way that yeah. unskilled labor has always been a way to um, degrade folks that do really hard work. And that happens a lot in kitchens prepped, especially when you see how much work goes into that. It, it's like if we really paid for all that food would be really expensive. I know, but then it just kind of feels unfair that all of that falls on the server getting Totally. Oh, really? Yeah. So yeah. it's just, I don't know. It's really confusing. The blog post, we can share it in the, uh, in the show notes because it was interesting and, and she links to some interesting stuff. Two things are um, this really interesting video on YouTube by this guy who says Adam ruins everything. Have you ever heard oh, of yeah, it? Oh, yeah. 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 So he, uh, he does a video and it was actually pretty hilarious and he talks about how like, oh, way before prohibition, like tipping 
was not a thing because, you know, the American ideal was, oh, everyone should be able to, you know, make a fair wage. But then like prohibition happened and people were trying to save money. So they're like, oh, anyways. Hi, I'm Adam Conover. Hey, Adam. Don't encourage him. And right now, you probably hate me for even daring to question the custom of tipping. Yeah, what the fudge? But bear with me. The other interesting thing that she linked <laughs> to was um, this New York Times article about Danny Meyer. So he's a restaurant oh, yeah. giant in New York. Shake Shack. Yeah. Mm -hmm. oh. And and like Gramercy Tavern and all this stuff in New York. And he actually eliminated tipping back in 2015. So he's been doing it for a while. But then when the pandemic hit come 2020, he went back to tipping. Really? Yeah. And I he, didn't know he did that. Mm -hmm. And he said the reason he did that is because of where the industry, the industry was in such a weird place. He wanted his serving staff to be able to get all of the, you know, possible financial help that they could get. I don't know mm. that he's re-implemented that. He made it clear that he was still working with like national organizations to eliminate tipping. But what I found really interesting about the article is they quoted a bunch of servers at his restaurants. And when he first implemented this no tipping policy, they left. Like he had servers who quit and they were like, yeah, it sounds good in theory, but like that's not what I signed up for when I became a bartender or when you I want became to be paid a server. Based on your your well, highest you, performance, your but you also, the best, the most possibility, or what well, is that? I don't understand it's, that. Actually. You have these jobs because you have the ability to possibly make more. So mm. I've worked retail and restaurant, and in retail you have no control mm -hmm. over what you get paid. Like customer doesn't have anything to do with that. Um, but on some weeks, you're working enough hours that you're making good money and you're not doing, ha generally not doing as much work as a server. Mm. But if you're a server, you have the chance to make more. You got mm -hmm. a Friday night shift, you might make a couple hundred bucks. It's like putting a cap on a salesperson. You know, nobody wants that. And so, like, you know, people were saying, like, bartender who has a chance to go up into management might choose not to because this bartender knows that they're going to make more money as a bartender getting the good Friday shifts. And working less yeah. than a manager, yeah. honestly. Yeah, working way less than, a, way less hard than a manager, you know. So, hmm. I don't know. It was interesting to hear that all of those servers were like, yeah, we're not into this. So, for me, the service fee comes down to I would want to see, I would want to know exactly how much it's affecting servers' income. This is worrisome to me because my solution, the, the only one that I had to offer was get rid of this terrible system, charge more, put the real price on the menu. Let's skip this whole garbage. And then still allow folks to tip. <sighs> well. Because I'm going to tip anyway. I will always tip. I think, it's, I think it's just a fundamentally bad and biased system that preys on people at their most vulnerable. Like I think that you, you know, as when I hear these stories about a server, like wanting to work the Friday shift, getting more money, I just think like, yeah, you're living for the moment, but like, is in the end, is it more money really? Is it more than like, if you have like five bad shifts and then one banger, you know? It, I mean, it's so layered, Paul. It's where you choose to work. Like I think about, yeah. I had a friend who was a server at Barolo Grill for a long time. Mm -hmm. They're a nice restaurant. Their bills are pretty steep. Like you're going to spend money when you go in there. So you're going to tip well. But you also have to have more knowledge as a server like that about yeah. wines and mm -hmm. about food process versus where I was at Chili's, like, come on, I'll take your order. Ch Chili's was about turn and burn. Right. Get folks in and out the door 
as fast as you can, right? Mm -hmm. You don't want people hanging out. You want them to, unless they're drinking, they can hang out all night because drinking all the money is in alcohol. Right. Big margin. Yeah. Big margin for, for a booze. But so there's different, there's different, um, levels of serving, fine dining, bartending, Fast cat. I mean, I try to. T- I I want to tip Mc- the people at McDonald's, and I can't <laughs> because they work really hard. Any of us do a job at yeah. McDonald's for one day, and tell me if you could handle it. It's rough. Multitasking. Can you imagine taking an order, talking to somebody else in real life while someone is talking in your ear, making money exchange, getting food from someone else? Like these folks do so much work and they don't get tipped either. I think tipping is great. If you want to tip everybody, tip everybody. I tip do, tip everybody you want to tip. Huh. But my thing is it's just not fair to the servers because they're making such a lower wage. Like if you want to tip your server, maybe that's great because you really loved their service. Like, I mean, we, we talked a little bit about coffee shops. Like I, before there was a time when I didn't tip at coffee shops. Really? Unless I, really? Yeah. Unless I went in and I had like a stellar interaction with like the person I'd be like, yeah, here's, you know, I'll throw a couple bucks in their tip jar. But like, I didn't tip at coffee shops. Like, wow. It just would never register for me, really. Like, if there's a tip jar and there's a few dollars in it, I would think, okay, someone had some change that yeah, they didn't change like carry in their or, pocket. For or, sure. It just didn't even... I get offended when people put change in there. I'm like, you put change in there? Give somebody a dollar. What is wrong with you? <laughs> I mean, I just think... But then with, with, with servers, when you know they're making a really low wage, there's this, like, pressure to... You're like, hey, my tip is is their living. Like you yeah, have to tip you. and you have to tip well. Especially because we know coming from being servers, yeah, I was making two thirteen an hour. It's uh, When I'm tipping at a coffee shop, it's because I really had a stellar experience or something versus when I'm tipping a server, I know that I'm paying their bills. Can you guys imagine if the job that we did right now was tipped? Can it you is, imagine? listeners. <laughs> Send us an email. I mean, it does. It is in certain ways. Patreon's created a, an essential thing like oh, that. Yeah. Coffee, yeah. the tip, all the tipping things you can do. That would stress me out so bad. Yeah. Like, am I doing my job correctly every day? So there's just like so much that goes into it. Also, servers generally don't have health care. I mean, yeah. back of house generally doesn't have health care. There's all these other things that these people are living on the bare minimums. Peyton, tell us about the blog post. Yeah, we so, have numbers actually. So going back to to this whole service fee thing, and and my whole question is, is it making a difference for incomes? You know, they say that it's to address pay inequity between the front of the house and the back of the house. Well, um, the Bonanos wrote a blog post and they shared some some numbers. They said that the kitchen, which is back of house, now that they've implemented their creating happy people fee, which is a twenty two percent charge that goes automatically onto all bills, the back of house has earned. 22% more than they did before they implemented this service fee. And they said front of house wages are up 10%. Huh. So to me, that doesn't sound, oh, it's, I guess it's 10% above what servers were making. Yeah. So before they implemented this fee, when they were just relying on tips, servers are now making 10% more than that. And back of house in the kitchen is making 22% more. I still don't really know what to do with those numbers. I feel like, this is the solution we've been looking for. This is more pay for everybody. This is great. But that's what I was saying. So do we do just institute or try to fight for instituting service fees across all restaurants and then eliminate tipping or at least 
have it as an option, but it doesn't have to be that front facing. Like, I don't know. I don't know. I'm still going to. I mean, do, I do no serve, idea. do, does it feel like you have a choice in the type of job? Like, can you work at a place? Like, uh, if you want to, if you like this service fee model and you want to have less pressure on the day to day shifts, does it feel like you can move from job to job easily and not make comparable right now. wages? I mean, I think there's just not enough places doing it right now that you could do. I mean, maybe in the future we're somewhere where you have that option, but I don't feel like enough. Like right now you can go work with for Frank Bonanno or City O City. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Like that we know of. Yeah. There, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm sure, sure there's other I'm folks sure. out there. But I mean, I just I don't know. I, yeah. I don't think it's reopened yet. Vine Street Pub. On 17th? I don't think so. The way that they used to do it, I don't know if it's like this at the other restaurant at Mountain Sun in Boulder, but um, you didn't have a server, one server. Everybody waited on you and they pooled all their tips, always. They also do cash only. And they do cash only. Which and Will if you thinks, couldn't, my husband thinks that that just means that they're doing something shady, but I don't no, know. I, 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 that's that I, mafia stuff we were talking I, about I, earlier. I would defend it a little bit. I know that Marilyn no. didn't do it. Uh, there were no credit cards at the Merc for a long time because the service fees are so expensive. Well, I think we have solved the problem. Oh, yeah. <laughs> problem easy. Super easy. No, honestly, though, I would love to hear from some folks that are currently working in service industry positions mm -hmm. who are listening. And I would love to hear their experience because Peyton and I's experiences are a couple years old. In my case, it's over a decade and a half probably since I waited tables. I don't know what it's like now. I would love to know what people's experiences have been, how the pandemic has changed or not changed that, and it, what you like. What would you prefer? What does a server prefer? Do they like yeah. the service fee? I That's have no my idea. question. I want to Yeah, I want to know from a server. I I get in theory this whole service fee thing, but I want to know from a server how it impacts them. Yeah. Um that would be yeah, cuz I have no idea. I'm still appalled that both of you didn't just tip coffee shops till recently. <laughs> it just felt, it's like the whole counter serve thing. Like, cause for me, I go and the, the reporter who wrote the 5280 piece, her, the, her description in the beginning Dahlia is Singer. my experience when she's yeah. like, I go in, I order tea, they pour hot water in a cup, they turn the iPad, I can tip 20%. You panic because you're like, I'm not going to not tip. I'm not a jerk, but all they did was pour me a cup of water and then you're tipping. It, it just feels, and then I don't know. When yeah. you're pouring drip coffee or a cup of hot water, I just never felt like I had to. It just wasn't, it wasn't like part of society back then. <laughs> I think you're the anomaly, to be honest. That's probably a cultural. horrible thing it's to say. Usually like, cultural, I'm a raging too. tipper to the point where my husband's like, I think you tip too much. I'm like, I think it's none of your business. Yeah. I think you're the anomaly. <laughs> I think there's probably more people out there like me and Paul. And it's not because we're horrible people. No, it's not just we all. never thought about it that way. Yeah. I also have had this experience where as I've made more money in my life, I think about it's redistributing that mm -hmm. a little bit. Like, okay, I make more money. Can I tip more? Absolutely. I would love to. I also tipped a lot when I was a server because you hook your friends up, right? Your friends hook you up. You hook them up. You go to their restaurants. You sit at their bars. I, I know all about that. That happens to me all the time. <laughs> Shut up, Paul. <laughs> I had many, many a friend that worked in Lodo when I was in college, and I spent many nights at the Lime mm -hmm. Bar, and I tipped, and these are still my best friends to this day. We just recirculated our own money between our friend group, mm -hmm. really. I will say being a server changes everything. I think everyone should d try a stint as a server in their life to really learn 
There's, there's no industry like it. I want everyone to work in fast food. Yeah, for there's. A week. I just think you have to. I think you want to know if some. You want to. You want to know somebody's true colors. Take them out on a date. See how they treat their server. A oh. week on the line at Chipotle. Talk about a dream come true. I would learn so much about how. This is how I felt works. about Casa Bonita a long time ago. I was like, what if I go undercover as a waitress so I can find out how it works in there? <laughs> then I was too lazy and I was like, I don't want to work in a restaurant. I've already done that. It's hard. Ain't yeah, nobody got time for that. All right, no. all right, all right. If you are one of these people who is doing a stint as uh, a service industry person, if this is your career, whatever, for all the reasons Bree said, she said it very nicely, call us in at 720-500-5418 and uh, leave us a message. We might play it on the show. I have to do this one quick segment with you all because I thought of this and I thought it'd be really fun. And I actually really want to know what you uh, you two think. Uh, there's a lot of cool stuff happening this weekend, like tons. The weekend is a buzz. We were talking about this <sighs> yesterday. There's so many events. It's filling the newsletter. To I'm the so brim. sad that it's supposed to be freezing on Saturday. <laughs> well, that's going to play into this. That's going to play into this. Um, I'm going to read you all a list of events that are that sound pretty good to me, and I want us to pick the CityCast approved pick for your I'm weekend. Bi- I'm biased. I already. I all right, a, let's hear it. But we have we'll to go pick there from Paul's list. We'll go there yeah. last. Okay. okay. Um, Denver Food and Wine Fest on Saturday. I don't know anything about this, but it sounds fun. I do know that it's benefiting, uh, I think it's the CRA. I don't remember where their money's going. What's the CRA? The Colorado Restaurant Association. But all of that money is going to like really important mental health resources. So I will say that. Okay, so that's one option. Next, the Diamondbacks are in town to play the Rockies all weekend. There's a Mm. game every day. Friday, Saturday. Okay, never mind. Wrong crowd. Westward Music Showcase (gasps) with headliners, the Flaming Lips Admission Ballroom. Saturday night. Highly recommend this really great band Wet Leg is playing as well. And also it's a great chance to see local acts. If you if you want to get out and experience some local music and you don't have a direct connection to any of these acts, the Westward Music Showcase is the perfect way to do that. So I, I would highly recommend. I think they do a great job. And finally, the Westwood Chili Fest yeah, on that's Saturday. My, that's my bias. My husband Saturday. and my very good friend Thad, listener of the show, uh, are in charge of entertainment for Westwood Chili Fest, and they mm. do a really, they spend all year curating really great music from across Denver. Um, so you're going to hear Spanish speaking acts, English speaking acts, Zumba, um, I mean, all kinds of cool da- folklorico, probably, like all kinds of dancing and stuff. And also, there's a chili eating contest. I was going to say, didn't Ian our- Thomas Tafoya, our guest from this week, <laughs> He won the chili eating contest last year at Westwood Chili Fest. He also won the pho eating contest this year at the Sun Valley Night Market. And I was like, well, if he's done with politics, Should he can become a competitive eater. <laughs> yeah, he's really good. But if you don't know Westwood, if you haven't gotten to know that neighborhood, it is so fun. The food, of course, is amazing. Um, the, the vendors are great. I always get some cool art or something for our house every year at Chili Fest. I just love it. It's a really nice neighborhood festival. So that's my pick is Westwood Chili Fest. You good with that, Peyton? That would be my my city cast approved event. I think that, yeah, I, 100%. There you have it. It's unanimous. The city cast Denver pick of the weekend is... Uh, Westwood Jelly Fest. Although my personal recommendation would be the Mid-Autumn Festival over at the Far East Center. That's happening mm. all weekend. Oh. Do both you could hit because both. Mid-Autumn wow. Fest is Saturday and Sunday and the Chili Fest, Fest is, is Saturday. Saturday. So go and I think it's a it's a night market for the Mid-Autumn Fest on Saturday and a day market on Sunday. So you could totally oh, make fun. both work. Yeah, you could hit Chili Fest and then head over there at night or go over on Sunday. Yeah, that would be my rec. 
All right. Well, Peyton, Bree, thanks so much for joining me. This also, was really fun. I just have to say that it's my birthday today. Oh, <laughs> of course. Yeah, obviously. How did we not say already? I Happy know, birthday. 42, kind of a big deal. <laughs> Happy birthday, Bree. <laughs> Everyone tweet nice things at Bree. Oh, my God. Actually, if you want to do something really nice for my birthday, just leave a really nice review on Apple Podcasts. Just, just be kind. I would love it so much. Or just five stars. It would be the best birthday present I could get from you, my listeners. <laughs> Thanks. All right. Thanks for letting me have that sad plea on my That's birthday. That's a wrap. Tip, tip your favorite podcast. <laughs> <laughs> See y'all. That's all for today here on CityCast Denver. Our producers this week were me, Paul Caroli, and Aaron O'Toole. Peyton Garcia writes our morning newsletter. Bree Davies is our host. Our music is by Los Mochachetes with additional mixing by Tyler Lindgren. If you haven't already, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at CityCast Denver and tell a friend about us the next time you see them. You can sign up for that daily newsletter and learn more about us at denver.citycast.fm. Bye, everyone. Should I try another one? Sure. Because sure. I'm kind of happy with both of these, and I don't know All how All right. This... Let's see. Jesus what you got? <laughs> Welcome back to CityCast Denver, the show about the capital of the state with art so bad. Bree, the art is so bad that an algorithm won our state fair's fine art competition. Well. Beat a whole slew of real human artists. I'm not going to dis the quality of art at the Colorado State Fair because people make art of all levels and all kinds right. and all things. But like, is that the end all be all of our arts critiques? I would hope not. <laughs> you're right. Of course you're right. Of course you're right. Well, and also um, Denver, I don't know about Colorado as a whole. We have a really hard time critiquing art. We don't like, Oh my God, are you kidding me? When I was at Westward, we quit writing local album reviews because they made people so mad. Mm. Like, I can't believe you would say that about my band. And then they'd like find you at a show and be like, I can't believe you said that. I'm like, it's my job. Also, maybe your mm. album sucked. Sorry. It's so hard. I'm just saying it's hard to critique art. On a local level, I think when you can. It's hard. Because you want to support a community. Right. But supporting a community also means being critical of it because mm -hmm. it needs to change and evolve sometimes. Yeah. So. For the record, I liked the peach thing. <laughs> okay. Yeah.